welcome to the 3Ls Podcast, where I, your host, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor, am here to share thoughtful commentary and strategies to help you with the big 3Ls of life, living, learning, and loving. Each episode, join in as a different psychological or current hot topic is explored with the hope of helping you live well, learn something that aids in personal growth or understanding, and love yourself or others in a way that honors you. Are you a fan of nutrient-dense wellness too? Let me tell you all about one of my favorite sources of adaptogens, Four Sigmatic, who uses a variety of mushrooms in everyday products. Reishi, lion's mane, and shaga all have been shown to help with thinking, immune system support, and gut support. I use these plant-based products every day in my smoothies and coffee, and you can too. Use code BEWELL for 10% off your purchase at us.foursigmatic.com. Again, that's BeWell at us.foursigmatic.com. Hi, welcome back to the 3Ls podcast. So I've got another bonus episode for you today, and I'm really getting some great questions. So thank you so much for writing me, whether it was on Instagram or emailing. Uh, I have two questions I want to tackle today. First one, I want to deep dive a little bit into the Britney Spears conservatorship issues that are currently going on, because this is major news. I think that she's really bringing a lot of light to, honestly, something that has has gone on for years and years. I can definitely remember working in an inpatient psychiatric hospital where it was quite common for some of the individuals there to have what is called a legal guardian. This person was their payee. And when you're the person's payee, if they're getting any kind of income, it goes to the guardian. And then the guardian decides how that money is to be spent. And it's very similar to a conservatorship. So I was asked by email, and please don't ever hesitate to also email me. I always link my email in the show notes if you have something that you want me to bring up. But asked about what my thoughts were on the Britney Spears uh, current situation going on. And so I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I, I think we need to break down a little bit what's been going on, why the conservatorship was put into place, and how conservatorships can become abusive and some of those downfalls of them. So we all know who Britney Spears is. She, I've been a, a longtime fan of hers. I think that she is just so much fun, puts out great music. She was the first concert I ever went to. This is all needless information that you don't necessarily need to know. But I think it just goes to show that if you have been around listening to pop music, then you know who Britney Spears is. You've grown up with her. She really exploded onto the scene. She brought a new kind of stance to music. And if you have listened to her music, then, excuse me, you've probably also seen some of the events that have occurred in her life. And we know that starting in the 2000s, Britney had some mental health issues. Um, if you can remember, she was going through major custody disputes with her ex-husband, Kevin Federline. And 
under immense amount of pressure, stress, the media was on her nonstop. I mean, would not leave her alone. I think initially she really handled it well. She was able to kind of smile, wave, keep it moving. But when she was under so much stress in her personal life, it kind of put her over the edge. And if you can remember, there was the really infamous scene where she ended up shaving her head. She actually took it, I think it was an umbrella, and started going after one of the paparazzi's vehicles. And she just kind of broke in that moment. And just the therapist in me, the humanist in me, it it could happen to anybody, you know, and the brain can only handle so much. That's what I always think about. And when you're under so much stress, absolutely, and you're going through the trauma of having your kids, you know, in your ex-spouse's home and trying to fight for them, it's a lot. And the stress levels are high. She was still working. It became too much. And so she was hospitalized several times, if I'm not mistaken. She was hospitalized and had mental evaluations and placed on a psychiatric hold. And these psychiatric holds in the state of California are called 5150s. Where I'm from, Florida, they're called the Baker Act. What these do, basically, if somebody is deemed a threat of harm to themselves or someone else, you can be involuntarily committed into an inpatient psychiatric facility. And you're typically held for 24 to 72 hours while mental health evals assessments are performed to kind of assess where your mental and emotional state is. Now, after those 72 hours, a lot of times people are discharged. They are no longer deemed a threat of harm to themselves or others. For a long time, well, not a long, long time, but for, you know, a year or so, I worked at a short-term acute crisis stabilization unit where we had all kinds of folks that came in under the Baker Act to be evaluated. Now, if somebody is using substances too much and they need to be detoxed from the substance, that can place you in some cases under a Baker Act hold or 5150 hold in California where you're detoxed off of the medication due to, or the drugs or alcohol due to it being a threat of harm to yourself. And so either way, uh, you know, I don't know where I was going with that, but basically just to illustrate that every state has some sort of Baker Act or 5150 hold. And we know that Brittany had to undergo several different hospitalizations. And this happened in a time time period in January of 2008. So Immediately after Britney Spears' second hospitalization, this is when her father petitioned the L.A. County Superior Court to place Britney under what was supposed to be a temporary conservatorship. We know that Britney Spears was struggling. She was having a hard time. But I'm going to tell you right now, out of all the years I've been in the mental health field, just because somebody is hospitalized, even if it is a two to three um, period hospitalization 
within a short-term period. So let's say that a couple weekends over the course of a month or six months, somebody continues to be placed into the psychiatric hospital for evaluation. This does not necessarily warrant someone losing their rights and being able to financially spend their money. I have, you know, definitely dealt with a lot of people who had multiple hospitalizations and they never had a conservatorship put into place. So right from the get-go, it was a little fishy. Okay. I like to believe maybe he had good intention. He was worried about his daughter, you know, wanted to make sure that in the event something more serious happened, he would be able to handle her estate and have access. But then there's this other side of me that I just know the biz. I know the mental health biz. And to be placed under involuntary care several times does not necessarily warrant the need for a conservatorship. And listening in, I want to just share really quickly, what is a conservatorship anyways? And I've touched on it. It can be interchangeable sometimes with being called a guardianship, but it's basically a court case where a judge appoints a responsible person or organization called the conservator. So that would be Britney Spears's father. He would be the conservator to care for another adult called the conservatee. So Britney is the conservatee who is deemed no longer able to care for themselves or manage their own finances. And, you know, a couple key tenets about conservatorships. So one of the pieces of filing for a conservatorship, this is what is a little, needs to be looked into, in my opinion, in terms of the court, is that it's relatively easy in many cases to file for a conservatorship. There are so many different people who can can file this, whether it's the spouse or domestic partner of the proposed conservatee, relative, any interested state or local entity or agency, or any other interested person or friend of the proposed conservatee. And even the proposed conservatee themselves can file to have a conservator come in and manage finances and medical issues. So it's relatively easy to have a conservatorship in place, especially if there had been those multiple inpatient placements. And But it's, it's very difficult to end a conservatorship. And this is where it becomes really murky. So I don't know if you guys saw that movie on Netflix. I think it's called I Care A Lot. And she, the main lead actress in the show, she was a a corrupt conservator. She would go in as a filing entity of the state and target elderly people and say that they were unable to care for themselves or anyone else. And because she had such a great relationship with the court, she would be granted that full guardianship or that full conservatorship. You know, the judge knew her and would say, okay, well, we really trust you. And if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. I thought it was so good. I care a lot. And um, But it really highlights what the conservatorship experience process can be to the extreme. It's a movie, of course, but we're also seeing this kind of happen in real life with Brittany. So getting back to ending a conservatorship. So basically, 
if the conservatee, aka Britney Spears, becomes able to handle his or her own affairs and recovers from a physical or mental condition, they are allowed to end the conservatorship. So the conservatee, the conservator, a relative or friend of the conservatee, or some other interested person can ask the court to end the conservatorship. And the court may ask the court investigator to evaluate the case and the conservatee's condition to see if conservatorship should be ended. Now, when I think about guardianship, um, I got my career started in long-term residential inpatient psychiatric hospital. So essentially, this was a long-term residential facility where people who had severe and persistent mental illness, schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, um, debilitating bipolar disorder, which we know bipolar disorder is what Brittany was diagnosed with, and it is treatable. And many people, if you take medication, completely treatable, and you're able to absolutely not have a conservator. But anyways, this hospital that I worked at definitely had severe and persistently mentally ill patients, individuals that live there because they were very, very severely um, had, you know, mental, mental illness essentially and were not able to either live on their own. They would, you know, it would take t- years to rehabilitate um, and get them to a place where they would be suitable to live in a group home, things of that nature. This happens. Perhaps you even know someone or have a relative who has severe schizophrenia, and we know that the condition is chronic, and sometimes it can be um, very hard to treat with medications. Some medications, you know, they the person builds up a tolerance, they no longer work, and the person continually experiences persistent auditory or visual hallucinations or delusions that disrupt their functioning of daily life. So this this happens. However, in the case of Britney Spears, for her to have a conservatorship in place, yet over the course of this time, I think I read something like she launched four different albums, created four different musical albums, and worked on residency in Las Vegas to perform her show. I think it was like 250 days out of the year or something of that nature. And to still have the conservatorship in place, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's why people are so outraged here. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I'm reading here. She released her seventh studio album, Femme Fatale. And um, yeah, it was a two-year Las Vegas residency that she signed up for. She was performing. She was working. She was putting on shows. Most often when somebody has a guardianship in place, so I'm thinking about my wonderful, lovely patients who I loved so, so much in the inpatient setting, they were not able to work. They were not able to manage their finances, and this was due to definite cognitive impairments, not being even um, in the here and now sometimes due to experiencing those severe and persistent auditory and visual hallucinations and delusions. We know that mental illness can really impact a person, but if Britney Spears was working and generating this income and being stable with her employment, why was that conservatorship still in place? So 
Okay, other ways that a conservatorship can end, and I'm just sharing this because I want to highlight how it can be so easy to get this in place, but so difficult for it not to stay in place or so difficult for it to be revoked. So if the conservative no longer has any more assets, then without these assets, sometimes there's not a need for the conservatorship of the estate to still happen. Then the conservatorship can end if the conservatee ends up passing away or if the court decides to remove the conservator. So maybe the court decides to remove the conservator because the conservator is no longer doing their job, is not able to do it. They could potentially even find out that there was abuse happening or there was a conflict of interest, which Britney Spears was able to file, um, and I'm trying to pull up this exact date. She did file that, yeah, in 2019, there was another gentleman who had been acting as a conservator. He voluntarily resigned leaving Jamie Spears, her father, as a sole conservator. And while it's he, so if a conservator decides to resign, then it can also be ended. But essentially, she kind of fought this because um, she, it was it was too much. And um Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like getting caught up. I'm I'm also looking at this BuzzFeed news article, um, which is very interesting. Britney Spears conservatorship timeline. At some point, she filed for her dad to not have free reign over her entire kind of financial status, medical status, um, because it was definitely a conflict of interest. There, you know. I guess I find it interesting. Why would the co-conservator also resign? I think sometimes people resign because they don't want to be associated with something that's negative that's going on. So for me, that's kind of a red flag right there. And um, but Jamie Spears, he forged ahead. And in 2019, he filed even further notices of intent to expand the conservatorship beyond the state of California also to Louisiana, Hawaii, and Florida. So none of it makes sense. Why in the world? Brittany was a full functioning adult. Does she potentially have a mental health issue? Yes, of course. Yes. I mean, I think it's safe to say that she probably experiences depression, anxiety. Maybe she even does have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. I'm I'm not her treating provider, so I couldn't, you know, diagnose that. But Maybe she does, but this does not warrant the need for a conservatorship just because you have a mental health issue. So interestingly enough, in this timeline, so May, Jamie Spears, her father, filed that notice to expand the conservatorship. And then in August of the same year, Jamie Spears was allegedly physically attacked by one of Britney Spears' sons who was 13 during a custody visit. And her ex-husband, Kevin, files a police report. So Spears' sons are also granted a restraining order against her father. So Jamie Spears allegedly physically attacked one of the singer's sons. And Kevin Federline filed a police report. Why didn't the courts take this into consideration that why would Jamie Spears attack a 13-year-old boy? 
So to me, this is already showing that there's something going on behind the scenes. We know that in any form of abuse, it's all about control. It's all about needing that control. We also know about the abuse of power that a lot of times financial profiting is that motive. And with Jamie Spears, a conservatorship can absolutely include having full control over someone else's finances as well as their medical needs. And if you're controlling somebody's finances and Britney Spears is releasing album after album, and we all know she's like a platinum selling artist who brings in probably millions upon millions a year, and she's working two years putting on shows in Las Vegas, she's making good money. And her dad is managing all of her finances. So very, very shifty, very shaky stuff. And um, so then we see that Jamie Spears ends up saying that he has health reasons going on and he steps away from the conservatorship um, and another Jody Montgomery temporarily replaces him. Now, this is right about the time in... Okay, so that was late 2019 that Jamie Spears steps away. And in 2020, this is when Free Britney movement really starts to come into play. And Spears' brother, Brian, speaks out about the conservatorship. And he says that she's always wanted to get out of it. It's very frustrating to have. Whether someone's coming in peace to help or coming in with an attitude, having someone constantly tell you to do something has got to be frustrating. She's wanted to get out of it for quite some time. Absolutely. So that was one thing. Even when I worked with individuals who had severe, sometimes debilitating mental health issues, there was always still a level of cognitive ability intact where they knew that they no longer had control over their financial aspects. And there were a lot of people who need the help that if given, you know, their their check every month, they would not be able to pay out all of their bills or um spend the money in the way that it necessarily needed to be spent to maintain their own well-being. This happens and but it was always very difficult in a huge source of contention when somebody has a guardianship because can you imagine? I mean even just thinking about it, you in the case of Britney Spears, you're a 30-something year old woman. You were hospitalized. Yes, you were under immense stress, potentially diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But then to have all of that independence ripped from you, it is very traumatizing in and of itself. And it can make you feel almost incapacitated, like you're not able to care for yourself. And what I was going to say is that even when I worked in the inpatient hospital where it was necessary to have a family member who was upstanding and trustworthy and would take care to pay the rent and give give their um, family member money from their, you know, a lot of times Medicaid or the state will issue a check, give them that money so that they had, you know, money to go buy things. The person who was, you know, under the guardianship, no matter how severe their schizophrenia was, they always knew and, and hated that their independence had been stripped away. And um, so I say that to validate that it's very difficult when somebody is stripped of 
their freedom in that way. So we see this pattern where, okay, Jamie uh, arrested, had the police report filed for attacking one of Britney Spears' sons. Now we've got her brother speaking out about the conservatorship, okay? So it's getting more and more out into the public eye that something is not going right. Yet in 2020, a Los Angeles judge extends a conservatorship until February of 2021. Um. And in this time, let me see here, Jamie Spears stepped away, but at some point he did come back. Um, In some capacity, he was still involved because later that year, after the conservatorship was extended, Jamie Spears withdraws his petition to reappoint Wallet as co-conservator. So I can imagine that sometimes there are co-conservators added for the balance of power, for the checks and balances. Because if you only have that one person in total control, nobody's checking them. Nobody's saying, are you doing the right thing? What is this about? Why are you forcing Brittany to continue to have an IUD in place so she doesn't have children? I mean, we're finding out more and more information where the extent of this conservatorship ran really deeply. So, um, it just, you know, it was just ongoing and ongoing. And I don't know if you guys watched the New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears, but that came out in 2021, February of this year. I watched it. I thought it was very enlightening. Um, I, you know, to cert- a certain extent, I didn't realize the extent of what was happening for Britney Spears. And, you know, it it's just... It just is pretty interesting. And even Britney Spears' current boyfriend wrote about her father in an Instagram story and saying, now it's important for people to understand I have zero respect for someone trying to control our relationship and constantly throwing obstacles our way. In my opinion, Jamie is a total, and then he says, expletive. I won't be going into details because I'm always, I've always respected our privacy, but at the same time, I didn't come to this country from Iran to not be able to express my opinions and freedom. So lots and lots of people stepping forward to share their thoughts on what's going on with Brittany. And Some of the things that I also want to share is that conservator abuse is real and it happens. Guardianship abuse is real. Remember, those terms are pretty interchangeable. In my opinion, it sounds like Britney Spears' dad, in a way, capitalized on her mental health issues and decided to kind of run with this. Because as I've already said, just for somebody to be hospitalized several times and to even be given a diagnosis of bipolar disorder does not deem them necessary to have a conservator in place or a conservatorship in place. And so it almost sounds like her her dad definitely decided to take full financial control. I'm just wondering where and what was going on with the judges and also the people that were doing the mental health evaluations to have the conservatorship put into place. Um, 
which that to me, you know, you can hire a team of people. They're kind of like called a smoking gun where they already have kind of a predisposed set of beliefs on what the outcome of the case should be. So I don't know if there was some kind of vetting on the mental health providers, psychiatrists who were um, participating in the situation of evaluating Britney Spears to put that conservatorship in place, who those doctors were, who the attorneys were. Um, But at the end of the day, everybody's getting paid. And so I can't help but also think, you know, y'all know that that abuse of power topic has been really big this season on the three L's. And that financial drive for profit can definitely come into play. So I know that there's not like a clear cut kind of ending to what my thoughts are specifically on the conservatorship. I think that there, I just have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions on the why. So granted, we're not there to see the ins and outs of Brittany's life. I have noticed that on Instagram, she seems to be a little more fiery lately and kind of coming, I think, more so into being more open. I think that for the first time, it was a couple days ago, she went into court and really let it out, everything that's been going on and everything that she's been feeling. And so one one thing I do want to just share with you, one of the quotes that she had put out there, and let me find this really quickly. This was actually taken from the New York Times. They compiled a list. She said, I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I'm traumatized. I just want my life back. It's embarrassing and demoralizing what I've been through. And that's the main reason I didn't say it openly. I didn't think anybody would believe me. Wow. That is so powerful. And what that is such a statement of somebody who is a survivor or a victim of domestic abuse would say is that I didn't think anybody would believe me. When you go under, when you're under abuse and control for so long, you start doubting yourself. It's the ultimate gaslighting situation. You can even start to think that something really is wrong with you and that you need this help. And because this conservatorship has been in place for so long, it does make me think that perhaps Brittany initially felt like she needed it, that she was convinced by her father, maybe by a team of these hired smoking gun medical professionals, that she was incompetent or unable to care for herself. So she went along with it. And then after a time, even people who are in domestic violence relationships, they start to recognize, hey, maybe, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. And it sounds like this was really happening for her. The other things that she said is, I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. I don't feel like I can live a full life. I am traumatized. I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. And I feel ganged up on, bullied, left out, and alone. I'm tired of feeling alone. And these are all statements that, as I've already said, somebody who feels really traumatized would say that somebody who um, is in an abusive relationship would say. There is that pattern where it's almost shock. You cannot believe what's happening in your life. And there's fear about what will happen if I speak out. And so I think for years and years, she kept silent. She's even apologizing for not sharing when we get it, Brittany. You know what I'm saying? We, I, I understand. Um, I'm just proud of her for speaking out and saying what she needed to say up until this point. So in a nutshell, 
those are kind of my thoughts. Lots of questions. I hope we get answers. I think this points to a bigger issue that can happen in conservatorships and guardianships where, like I said, it's pretty easy to file, but it's really hard to end one. And honestly, a conservatorship should be in place to help somebody along who is going through a difficult time and needs temporary assistance. But to have a conservatorship in place since around 2008 and it's 2021, it's just bizarre to me. It's super bizarre. So, okay, more more of that to come at some point. Um, but the second question I want to get into really, really quickly. <laughs> this is taking a total departure from Free Britney and talking about conservatorships. But I had somebody write me on Instagram, and so I want to get to this really quick, and I'll read you what they said. So let me pull that up. So they asked me, um, let's see. Okay. Thank you. I'm always uh, looking forward to your podcast, and I love to listen. Um, I would like to ask you a question. I've heard that many successful people have their own life coach, and do you have one too? So, um, well, the short answer is at present, I do not. And when it comes to life coaching, I always encourage everybody to be really careful. I think coaching is a wonderful industry. I love a good solution-focused practice, but if you wanted to get a life coach in particular, I would just always encourage you to vet that person. Vet them out. Make sure that they've had some kind of credentials in place. They're under some kind of regulating board where they have somebody who they have to answer to. Um... I think that most successful people, though, have people in their corner who are giving them feedback, Um, whether it's an individual therapist, a life coach, a family member. There is somebody there who is providing the checks and balances and giving that feedback that is in their best interest. So absolutely – I'm a total fan of therapy. I mean, I'm biased. Look at what I do for a living. I have been to therapy in grad school. Uh, it was life-changing for me. I loved every minute of it. I would almost suggest that you try therapy even because a therapist can offer a solution-focused approach that also a life coach can offer. Um But we know that therapists typically have to be licensed and they do have that regulating body that they have to answer to. Now, this is me. I'm biased, but it's my podcast and I'm opinionated on this uh, topic. You know, and of course, I'm always going to promote going to therapy. So I guess to answer your question, yes, I agree with you. I think most successful people have a group of people in place who are there to kind of offer feedback. I would encourage you to get involved in therapy. In fact, if you're a therapist listening in, and I've spoken to this individual who wrote the question, and I'm keeping you anonymous, but I know that you are a therapist yourself, I would highly recommend a therapist, you going to therapy. Um, Because I think to be the best counselor and therapist, We have to know our own limitations and our own strengths and going to our own individual provider can absolutely bring that out. And so if you're a people pleaser, um, if you're a high achiever, if you're a perfectionist, 
Understanding those root causes behind that or if you suffer from your own anxiety or depression because who we are shows up in the clinical work, in the clinical practice that we do. Who you are shows up in all areas of your life. And so why not be the best version of yourself and receive that feedback from a life coach or a therapist? Um, So that's just a really short and sweet kind of take on that. I don't have one right now, um, but in Other people may disagree with this, but I have a team of people in my life who, I say team, but they're my loved ones and they're people who I've known for decades who are not scared to completely give me feedback. And most of my friends are therapists. I'm not saying that you see your friend as your own therapist, but it's interesting, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And so in this present moment, I don't have a life coach um, and I'm not in therapy, so to speak, but it doesn't mean that I won't be in the future and that I won't utilize somebody else's services. I absolutely am a fan of you receiving the support that you need to help you be your best self. So, and like I said, not to be redundant, but I think all providers I mean, I think everyone at some point in life should go to therapy and invest in that process because truly what I learned about myself years ago is so still intact today, many of the things, um, whether it's personality, because we know personality is pervasive, it's enduring, and it's long-lasting. It really helped me identify certain aspects of who I am that maybe I need to keep an eye on, and it's just life-changing. So if you're on the fence, think about it. Vet out who you would want to go see, but I honestly think that if you're doing anything as a provider in the therapeutic setting, I think it should be mandatory that all therapists at some point go receive their own therapy. Um, maybe, maybe mandatory is a little strong, but I think it should be strongly encouraged because it also will help you in terms of counseling other people to know what it feels like to be on the other side of the couch. All around, I'm a huge fan and definitely encourage you to do what feels right. But there are so many more advantages when you find the right provider for you than there are disadvantages. So I hope that helps. That's just my little quick and short and sweet answer to that question. Um, But yes, I agree with you. I think most successful people in life have people around them who are willing to give them non-BS feedback, advice, and information that really helps them. Um, whether this be in the form of a life coach or a therapist, you know, some kind of paid professional, or sometimes if you have a strong relationship with your family, I do believe that they can also help give you really good feedback. If you have a great group of friends who can give you that really honest feedback, I think though it's hard when it is your friend or family member versus somebody who's a neutral, unbiased person. 
So I hope you guys enjoyed this bonus episode today and keep me posted. Reach out again. This is not to be in lieu of any kind of professional legal or medical advice. Definitely want you to find your own provider. Uh, Just my thoughts on these questions that I'm receiving, but reach out. Let me know if something else comes up for you. If you would like me to answer a question or talk on a topic, this has been really fun this season. I'm, I'm really glad I opened up this capability to really go there and have these bonus episodes because it's been awesome uh, for me. Like I'm enjoying it. So, all right. Have a wonderful day and I'll just see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the three L's today. Catch up with me on Instagram at Rachel and Dine Counseling, where you can contact me about a topic or follow up on today's episode. As always, the information provided in this episode is for educational purposes only and not intended to treat or diagnose. Reach out to your own medical or legal provider for assistance and individualized care. Here's to the three L's and being empowered to make decisions that work for you in your life.